This week's episode is brought to you by the Walt Disney Family Museum, located in San Francisco, California, which features the life and legacy of Walt Disney. Find out more at WaltDisney.org. Hello and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And unfortunately, uh, very recently at, at the time of this recording, we lost um, someone very special to the Disney legacy, and that is Diane Disney Miller. Um, she was quite a wonderful woman, and I don't even have the words to uh, explain or describe her, um, but we're going to do the best we can in our little history segment. We wrote a little bit about her, um, and I, I don't really know what else to say except for uh, maybe we should just get started so we can learn a little bit about her. It's time for Disney History! Diane Disney Miller was born on December 18, 1933, and she was born as Diane Disney. Uh, she was the eldest and the only biological daughter of uh, Walt Disney and his wife Lillian Bounds Disney. Uh, they had a, uh, a younger sister, she had a younger sister, Sharon Marie Disney, uh, that the Disneys adopted at birth in 1936. But uh, Diane Disney Miller, she was a therapist and the daughter of cartoon and theme park pioneer Walt Disney. And unfortunately, she died on Tuesday, November 19, 2013 in California, and she was 79 years old. Diane and her husband, Ron W. Miller, had seven children. Ron was the CEO of the Walt Disney Company until 1984, when Diane's cousin, Roy E. Disney, the son of Roy O. Disney, supported his outing in favor of Michael Eisner, Frank Wells, and Jeffrey Katzenberg. Now, in the early 1970s, the Millers purchased a vineyard in Napa Valley, California, and their intention was to upgrade the property and replant it with better things and install new trestling and frost protection. And the couple actually have operated a collection of vineyards under the name of Silverado Vineyards after that. And uh, Diane Disney Miller was instrumental in pushing ahead with the Walt Disney Concert Hall in downtown Los Angeles. The project was initiated with a $50 million gift from Lillian Disney, but uh, it got bogged down in wrangling over costs. Uh, Miller ensured the original design by Frank Gehry went ahead, and Walt Disney Hall finally opened in 2004. Uh, Diane also read her father's original dedication 50 years later uh, to the day at the birthday celebrations of Disneyland on July 17, 2005. Uh, Diane organized the development of the Walt Disney Family Museum in the Presidio in uh, San Francisco, California. And the museum opened October 2009. And in addition to her husband, she is survived by seven children, uh, 13 grandchildren, and one great-grandchild. So, you know, why does Diane Disney Miller matter? Uh, because she was, you know, the, the last direct tie to Walt. She was one of the two daughters, and Diane was the final person of the intimate family of four, which was Walt, Lily, Diane, and Sharon, to actually make it this far. Uh, Diane was there for the Walt Disney Family Museum, intimately involved with its creation. 
And you know, it's it's really been Diane who gui guided so much of the inquiry into Walt's life over the past 20 years since uh, her sister passed, and almost as long since her mom passed. Um, she, she was really passionate about showing her father as not just the brilliant man that he was, that we all know, but also as a real person, as, as a real human being. And Diane is just, it's, she's the last part of that family, and she was the final member of the inner circle of the Disney family. And uh, while, you know, Disney has always been all about family, and she was it. She, she mattered, and she will be missed. Um, and, you know, thankfully I was lucky enough to meet her over the summer when we went to the, uh, the museum. Uh, she came out to Rolly's presentation, and Rolly had not seen her either in, you know, many, many years. So for him, it was really nice to actually see her again. And for me, it was just nice to meet her and shake her hand. And she was really sweet and gracious. And it was just, you know, very surreal to me to, to meet her uh, and, you know, see her as a person and not just hear about her. So uh, we, Disney community took a pretty big blow, I think, uh, with her passing. Yeah, she always championed her father, not just as, you know, Walt Disney, you know, the genius of the 20th century, but as Walt Disney, the father and the human. Yes. And uh, I think that's, you know, one of her long living legacies along with the Walt Disney Family Museum. Yeah, and I, I think that the museum will be, a long, be around a long time to help carry on that message and uh, to really to show the human that was Walt Disney and it was it's because of Diane that we we have that ability to do so and I for one am very thankful for that He's a nerd he's a geek but we all like to hear him speak so listen up to the words from his speech it's George's book of the week The story of Walt Disney a fabulous rags to riches story by Diane Disney Miller as told to Pete Martin Released in 1957, 223 pages. So this book was originally an eight-part series that ran in the Saturday Evening Post. Uh, the series started in November 1956 and was told from Diane's point of view. The series was actually entitled My Dad, Walt Disney. And according to Diane, she met with her father and Pete Martin from the Post, and they met at her parents' house over uh, the previous summer to discuss Walt's life up to that point. And Walt really wanted the chance to tell his whole story up until that time. And it was also a way for Diane and her husband, Ron Miller, to buy a house with the proceeds. <laughs> so there you go, Walt. Always thinking. Always thinking. So, all right. This, this is a book that has sat on my shelf for years, uh, and I always wanted to read it. And when I heard about Diane's passing, I picked up the copy I have from 1957 and quickly devoured it. It's 223 pages, but it's a small paperback and reads very quickly. Uh, the book is very well written, and it's very simple. And, and I don't mean that as a as a detraction in any way, but it's it's extremely accessible. Anybody's going to be able to get through this book. There are only 16 chapters that chapters that take us from Walt's parents uh, up to the first year of Disneyland, the release of Cinderella, and a few movies that are on the way, like Lady and the Tramp. One thing that I truly loved about the book was that more than the first. Uh, first 100 pages or so are dedicated to Walt's life before Snow White. And it's an extremely detailed look at his life from his perspective, including his earliest memories with his father's paper route, World War I, and his start in animation and art in Kansas City. It's a great, it's great to read a story and be able to place different animators and Disney employees in these different stories, uh, even though they weren't named. Uh, because back then, everything was Walt Disney. He was the uh, name that was on the door. 
another interesting uh, fact about it is that this is one of the first long-form pieces published about Walt, and almost every page of the biography has been mined for stories by the company and by Disney researchers. And that's not a bad thing. It's sort of like Randy Bright's incredible Disneyland inside story. The, the anecdotes and facts were so oft quoted that you won't feel like you're reading anything eye-opening. Uh, though the story of Walt Disney is an important piece on Walt, it's also a part of what made Diane such an amazing person. One of her chief motivations was presenting her father as a, as a father, a husband, and a brother beyond the public image that we have of Walt Disney. She championed her father and his memory, and it will be one of her enduring legacies. This really is a short work on Walt's life, and it still is, uh, it maintains the corporate view, but it's still extremely important. And in many cases, these stories are directly from Walt's mouth. Uh, it's, it's one of my top favorite biographies behind Michael Barrier's and Bob Thomas's work. Uh, pick up a copy if you can find it. You really won't be disappointed. I, I just looked on Amazon for it, and it, the cheapest one I can find is like $73. So oh, I unfortunately will not be reading this anytime soon. <laughs> go for it. That's, that, that is the problem with the second hand. It's, it's out of print. Yeah. But, you know, hey, you know, if people want to stop by and hang out and read it at my house, you know, my wife would get really angry about that. <laughs> she would. So anyway, this one was called The Story of Walt Disney, A Fabulous Rags to Riches Story by Diane Disney Miller, as told to Pete Martin. What we liked, what we didn't like, yays in the booze, 60-second review! So maybe a year or two or much longer than that, there was an announcement of the direct-to-home release of Planes. And, of course, after all the Disney fans stopped snickering, we realized this was real. <laughs> we realized, oh, great, we're going to have to watch this. This is the thing. You know, it's actually going to happen. It's really going to happen. So, you know, it's one thing that we've, we've never really talked about. The Cars line of all their merchandise is huge. It's one of the biggest money makers for the company, period. So it makes sense that they're going to throw out some of these direct-to-video or not-quite-substantial releases. And, you know, this was one of them. You know, when it came in, I was like, oh, we're going to have to watch this. But I was surprised. Both the boys sat down and watched the whole thing, a 10-year-old and a 14-year-old. Well, Go figure. I, obviously, Disney had some kind of faith in it because it originally it was an, announced as direct-to-video, and yeah. then all, all of a sudden it was, uh, you know, we're going to release this in the theaters. Let's, let's do that instead. So... Mm-hmm. They definitely had some faith in it, and uh, I, I will admit I am not the biggest fan of the Cars films. Um, I, I, you know, they're okay. I don't hate them per se, but they're not fantastic, <laughs> and I really wasn't looking forward to seeing this movie. Um, I, I mean, it's, you know, it's okay. Um, I was a little hesitant <laughs> to, to watch it, like I said. Um but uh, we we did watch it, and you know I sat through it in two sittings. Um. <laughs> well, okay. So the the plot to me was almost like they looked at the other Cars films and said, "Let's take the biggest plot elements out of both of them and make a new movie with different characters." You know, they've got a grand race around the world, uh, and even some of the characters were the same. Uh, Dane Cook who was playing the lead character, the crop duster plane that, you know, wants to fly around the world, which was, uh, he's, he's the second person to play it. The original one was, um, what's his name? Ducky from, Ducky from uh, Pretty in Pink. Yeah. 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 He was the original. So Dane Cook took over and, you know, he was actually pretty good at the role, 
But Brad Garrett's character, who's a regular Pixar standby character, was a fuel tank, a fuel truck named Chug, and he was basically a, a non-country version of Mater. To be nice, he it would have been funny perfect, if he was like Mater's cousin or it something. Been, he had perfect teeth. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but he was the same exact character. He was confused a lot. He did other things. So, uh, and there was even a grizzled older plane that was a mentor uh, to. Uh, Dane's character, and it was just—I don't know—it it kept our attention. If if your if your kids love cars and love the world of cars, then yeah, buy this. You know, it, buy two copies because you're going to wear it out. They're going to watch it over and over. Uh, so see, and I can't even—you know—plot plot similarities aside, it, to me, it just wasn't that good of a movie. And I I was kind of bored most of the time. Like I said, I watched it in two sittings, and you know, looked at my watch, I looked at my cell phone. <laughs> I played some Check games, checked some Instagram <laughs> pictures, took some selfies. Um, <laughs> hashtag bored was, out of my mind. Hashtag review. Was hashtag. <laughs> All those. Hashtag. Ha- hashtag okay. planes should have been grounded. You know, stuff like yeah. that. Hashtag um, waiting standby line. Okay, we've been <laughs> we're done. We're done. <laughs> we're done. So. But, uh, yeah, like George said, he's right. If your kids enjoyed the Cars filmed, um, chances are they will enjoy planes. Yeah. Uh, it just wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. I have to say, the blimp really freaked me out. Because his head was underneath him, but there was no neck. And I was just like, what is that? Ah, I, re- I remember you saying that to me, and it didn't yeah. dawn on me until I lo- went back and looked at a picture of him. And I was like, oh, God, that is really scary. How, <laughs> but, how does a blimp, how do, how do the plane's anatomy work? Yeah, it, well, and that's what I was talking to the 14-year-old. I was like, so if you look at the theory of evolution... And look at the whole car's world. It's only been around for 100 years, you know, with the beginning of the first gas combustion engines, you know, uh, more than 150 years. And then we've got planes and jets. and They've come a long way in 100 years. Yeah, they have. They have they're they're more advanced than human beings, I would say, at, at this point, if they're that far along their evolution in just 100 years. Yeah, but they're not as advanced as the cadets. That's true. The cadets are much better. Are the, much, much better. The highest form of life on the planet outside of dolphins, probably. Okay, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Dolphins, Dolphins are, are definitely smarter than, than I am, so I will say that yeah. they're probably smarter than most of our our fans as well, just because dolphins are smart. They're going well, to so, rule the world one day. Yeah. We're digressing now. We're totally off track because well, we think, clearly don't want to talk about more things. about other things than the the movie, which probably tells you how we really feel about it. Uh, I think to sum up, it's uh, if you're a huge fan of the Cars franchise, like you've got the car sheets and the Cars bed, yeah, buy this. It's a definite purchase for you and. Apparently, there's more coming out. There's a fire planes version, you know, that they fight forest fires, which is noble. I don't know. I, I thought that was Spooky the Bear who did that, but hey, whatever. <laughs> what, do, what do I know, guys? I don't know. So, yeah, you have to make this this decision on your own. I, I, I wouldn't recommend it unless you're a Cars fan. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. So along uh, Hollywood Boulevard at Disney's Hollywood Studios, you'll actually find, and uh, it's a place called the Anaheim Produce Stand, and it sells delicious fresh fruit, as you would expect. Um, And of course, the name refers to the location of Disneyland here in Anaheim, California. And to kind of further this connection, there's a sign on the sign itself that says, Between Palm and Catella. So Catella Avenue still exists today, 
uh, right near Disneyland. Uh, but Harbor Boulevard used to be known as Palm Street. So Disneyland really is located between them. So I think that was a kind of a cool little connection there. Well, that is a nice one. I, I so. enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Next time in the mirror, stand loudly. Or stand loudly? Stand loudly? I'll stand loudly because I'm good at that. Stand I'm very there good and at loudly standing around proclaim, hmm, this refers to Disneyland. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just hmm, just hmm a lot and see where that gets me. It, Which, of course, that George guy again is making a lot of hmm uh, sounds in the park. He's making hmm sounds. He must think he's important. So, <laughs> why no, no, not at all, not at all. So, okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for watching and listening to this episode, no matter how you did it. Yes, be sure to uh, leave us a comment and give us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed us. Yes, those nine-star ratings. Haven't had one in at least a day. At least a day. Maybe day and a half. Maybe day and a half. So, yeah, okay. And you can always email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com, which, you know, send us photos of lovely five-legged goats that you find. Yeah. Or ones we've we've talked about. We'd love to see updated five-legged goats. Yes, we would. You can also uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash communicorweekly. Yep, and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we've got the same usernames on both of them. I'm at Imagine Nerding, and he's at Jeff Heimbuck. And be sure to give us a call and leave us a message on the Communicore Weekly hotline at 424-785-4628. And for Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. <laughs>